May we speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. From the beginning of his ministry, when Paul claimed for himself the title Apostle, he proved that he was not shy about making bold claims about his experience and faith and what Christians are called to believe and do. And in our reading today, we get what may be one of his boldest claims when he tells us that hope does not disappoint us. I don't know about you, but when I hear that phrase, my gut reaction is, yeah, right. Every one of us, as a child, probably hoped for something. We hoped for a toy, or we hoped for a gift, or we hoped that our parents would let us do something, and that we felt the sting is only the way a child can of the disappointment when what we hoped for didn't happen. As grown-ups, we have certainly hoped for a job, or hoped for a promotion, or a raise, or hoped for a loved one's recovery of health, only to see the job go to someone else, or the promotion pass us by, or having to say goodbye to someone that you love at a funeral. So much of our human experience is of hoping for something only to be disappointed by the outcome. But here it is in black and white in Paul's letter to the Romans, the assertion that hope does not disappoint. Our story from Genesis is a familiar one about Abraham and Sarah. At this point, Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 90 years young. And before the scene that we get today, God had come to Abraham several years before and has told him to go out and to look at the stars in the sky and to try to count them because that is how numerous Abraham's descendants would be. Amen. And Abraham and Sarah believed in God and hoped for children. But when no children came, they took things in their own hands. And as was the custom of the day, Abraham went and took in relationship Hagar, and they had a son who was to be named Ishmael. And Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And God came to Abraham and said, again, you will have numerous descendants. You will be exceedingly fruitful, and that God will make nations of the line of Abraham. 
But God tells him, it will not come from Ishmael, but your children will come from Sarah. And hope and in trust, Abraham did as God asked, and he had his household circumcised as a sign of the covenant made between he and God. And it is this promise, these hopes, that Abraham and Sarah are holding on to when three visitors arrive at their camp. Abraham seems to recognize the importance of these visitors because he doesn't just offer the expected hospitality of water and a little food and a place to bathe. He goes and has a calf prepared for a meal. And in this conversation with these men, the promise, the hope, is again stated that Sarah would have a child. So how can we blame Sarah, who's back in the tent doing as her husband asked, who overhears this at 90 years young after many years of hoping that her response after 13 long years of God's promise being unfulfilled is to laugh. But then our reading tells us that a year later, Sarah has a son, and that son is named Isaac, and that son would lead to the nation of Israel and leads down to where we sit today and at that point, Sarah's laughter of disappointment is turned into laughter of joy. Amen. See, what Abraham and Sarah learned, and what Paul is saying, is that it's God's hope that does not disappoint us. When Jesus called the 12 disciples and gave them the power to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to cure the sick, their hope was that the Messiah that their people had been waiting for, that was going to throw off the shackles of Rome, had finally come. Jesus was essentially looking at them and saying, I am going to make you superheroes. You can go out and change the world. And they heard in that that freedom and a new age had begun, but then Jesus complicates that hope because he tells them, now you can't take anything with you. No purse, no money, no extra shoes, no extra clothes. And oh, by the way, I am sending you out like sheep amongst the wolves and you will be dragged in front of rulers and courts, and you will be persecuted because you say my very name. But there is hope. Not the hope of their understanding of what a Messiah was supposed to be, but God's hope which told them the one that endures will be saved. For Paul, this hope that does not disappoint comes from the reality that through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, we stand justified by faith. And because of that justification, we receive the gifts of God's peace and hope 
Our salvation through Jesus means that we can boast, we can take joy, we can celebrate our God-given hope of sharing in the glory of God's fullness for the world. In our book of common prayer in the back, which if you're getting tired of the sermon, you can turn there now, there's a lot to read, but in the back there's what's called the catechism. And it's, uh, it's this back and forth of it ask a question and it gives an answer and way towards the end of the catechism, a lot of times we don't get to it in confirmation classes, there is this question that says, what is our Christian hope? And our answer is, is that our Christian hope is to live now in confidence and newness and fullness of life and to await the coming of Christ in glory when Christ will return not in weakness but in power and that God's purpose for the world will be completed. By the very use of the word hope, we acknowledge that we are not living in the world that is fully the kingdom of God. But through our faith, we know that we live in a state of grace and that the work is just not finished yet. So we hope and we endure and we are still this very day sent out like sheep into the midst of wolves and Jesus' advice to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves still holds true. But when we do that, when we answer our Lord's call to go, no matter what we experience, we are not to complain and to grumble about our sufferings and our difficulties of being a Christian in this imperfect world, but yet we are to take joy and to celebrate our difficulties because in that we endure. And this endurance transforms us from people that just say the words, I believe in Jesus Christ, into people that are disciples of Jesus Christ, people whose entire lives are transformed in the reality of the living God through Christ. It is that that we are called to proclaim and celebrate, and it is that hope that Paul says does not disappoint. Just as the first disciples came to Jesus with expectations, we may come to our faith that inspecting that to become a Christian will make everything easier, the slate is wiped clean, the world is going to open up for us, but we quickly learn that the problems that were there yesterday are still here today and that they probably get even more complicated when we actually live our lives as disciples of Christ. We learn that just like the disciples before us, that the life of grace, of justification by faith, means that we are called into transformation of ourselves so that we can become agents of God's transformation in the world. 
we become disciples of the hope that will not disappoint. The poet Emily Dickinson writes these short poems, and she wrote a poem early on about hope. And this is what she said. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Our Christian hope that seems as light and delicate as a bird perches and takes up home in our soul and sings out to us loudest at our greatest times of struggles. It is a hope that shows up at the strangest times and the harshest places, and it comes not to be fed by us, but to give us warmth and comfort on the way. We are saved. We endure, and we dare to hope because we are transformed and are transforming the world. We do all of this because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and in only in receiving God's love are we able to turn around and to love God and to love the world around us. So we take joy in God's hope that will not disappoint because we have been given a glimpse not of what the world should be or could be, but what the world is already becoming. Amen. <laughs>